Hello, and welcome to Curiosity Killed the Cat. I am Sarah, your host, and today I'm going to be discussing Westworld as my curious topic of the week. I'm going to be discussing My Girl as the curious cult movie of the week. And last but not least, I'm going to be getting into Miss Jamie Lee Curtis and why she is such a pussycat. So thank you for tuning in and get ready because we're getting into Westworld first. And that is going to be a topic I'm going to have a hard time shutting up about. Let's get curious about Westworld. So, if you're into robots, this is really the show for you. Um, not so much if you're into cowboys. I mean, season one, there's lots of like good, some good cowboy stuff, but like mostly this is a show that if you want to like break your brain a little bit, it's a good one to watch. Um, I know a lot of people had some complaints about season two being a bit jumpy with like the time, like time warp going back and forth um, and that it got just a little bit kind of like not too much to keep up with. It was just like nothing was coming really full circle like quick enough, um, but I stuck it out. I liked it. I like I like theories. I like listening to all the podcasts about them, about each episode. So um you know, season one and season two are definitely uh, very different from each other. And from what it looks like, season three is going to be very different from the previous two. So when things like that happen, I'm into it. Okay. If you want to do the same thing each season, you know, that's fine. Just let me know what we're signing up for from the get-go and I'm good to go. So it seemed like from the beginning, this show was never going to be like dipping into the same um, like narrative pool over and over. Like it seemed like they were going to take, you know, Dolores was never just going to stay Dolores. Bernard clearly was never going to stay Bernard. Well, I mean, actually, is he going to stay Bernard? Hmm. Anyways, spoilers. There's going to be lots of spoilers because right now what I'm going to be doing is discussing what I remember about season one and season two. And I have to say, I haven't seen season two since um, it came out, oh my God, almost a year and a half ago, I think it's been. Um, I may have watched like one or two standalone episodes since then. Um, and season one is a bit rough for me because I don't think I've seen that one since right before season two came out as well. So that's what's going to make this a little bit fun. I've kind of like reached back into my brain a little bit. I've got this, the, you know, the spiral in the back of my scalp going and I'm um, ready to, to get into the maze and discuss, uh, discuss why this show is so curiously wonderful and uh, why it's a little bit mind bending and why you should uh, keep watching it. Again, I'm going to be getting into spoilers. I'm going to accidentally be saying I was going to do a spoiler free like deal, but I knew I was going to accidentally just blurt out way too much. So I'd rather just uh, do a loose recap and keep it cash. All right, here we go. So we start off with this kind of like Disneyland cowboy theme park. Um, it's owned by a company named Delos. 
Delos, Delos, and they are shady as F, okay? Um, there's also, I think, five other parks from what I remember. And in season one, season two, season one, we only see Westworld. Season two, we find out that there's a Shogun world, and then there's some sort of, like, colonial Indian type thing. It was, like... You meet Ed Harris's daughter there, and that's really, like, the only important thing that happens. And then, like, a tiger, like, washes up in Westworld, and you're like, why is there a fucking tiger in Westworld? Well, in season two, they're going to let you know why. Um, anyways, we're going to start back at the beginning here because Anthony Hopkins plays this dude named Ford, Robert Ford, a.k.a. Hannibal Lecter, learns how to invent robots. So... When he's younger, him and his partner, Arnold, I don't think not his life partner, his business partner, technological partner. So the two of them make these amazing, fabulous, lifelike fucking robots. They freaking pitch them to the Shady Delos company. And um, yeah, from there on out, chaos becomes a ladder. Time is a flat circle spelled out on the back of these poor robots heads and um we kind of kick things off mostly with Dolores she's a farmer's daughter played by the beautiful Evan Rachel Wood who like I just love so much um you know we kick it off with her and fucking Ed Harris comes in and he's hot as hell because he's just that's who he is but he's just like a fucking bad guy right off the bat he's like beats her ass up and it's just like not really fun it just like it sort of kicks off on a weird start um but you get through that right and then we see Dolores like by the end of this shit she like gets her groove back we find out she's actually Wyatt she's like blown everybody up she actually like blew up her robot freaking father not robot father like Arnold he was like a real person but um yeah man she's her character is nuts. Absolutely fucking nuts. You know, you think she's just like, oh, pretty blonde girl in a blue dress. And, oh, man, no, no, there's a lot going on there. A lot going on there. Yeah, it goes on an absolute fucking rampage in season two. She dies, but she doesn't really die. She ends up in fucking Charlotte's body, which is really cool. This is sounding more like a, a soap opera than a prestige HBO you know, sci-fi robot show, but that's cool. Everything is a soap opera when it comes down to it. So, um, yeah, what does she do? Um, yeah, so she doesn't really die. Bernard kind of brings her back. Bernard's another fucking robot. Um, he wasn't a robot. We didn't think he was a robot, but then we find out that he's a robot and that was a fucking doozy. Um, so her and Bernard are kind of like going against each other and we've got this other robot, Maeve, who's like always trying to find her daughter. She just doesn't understand that she's a robot and like, she doesn't like actually have a daughter um which gets me thinking like I wonder if like these poor robots started out with like actual like an actual like human memory or something and then this fucking company has just like taken it and twisted it and try to like re-record things on it and like re-download the systems of these things like over and over and over until like there's just hardly anything left but like there's something deep inside of them that still remembers Um, I don't know. That's for another show. That's for different. That's for theory time. That's for after I do my whole rewatch of season one and season two. Um, 
So anyways, uh, season two, what happens? Yeah, so Charlotte, so Dolores ends up in Charlotte's robot body, which was another really cool mind-blowing moment. And then she sneaks out of West Westworld with, like, the brain pods in her, like, cute little handbag. And then Thor's brother was like, hey, I've been working here for decades, but he looks like he's, like, super young still so you're like what he's a fucking robot too that you and you you know it's like game of thrones everybody's a fucking targaryen everybody here is actually a robot um we've got teddy played by james mardson um he's just a cute sad boy cowboy rest in peace we think maybe his brain pod may be with us um his brain pod could end up in charlotte's body i don't know tessa thompson's hot and if james mardson as teddy is trapped inside tessa thompson's body I don't know what to make of that. Um, kind of cool. Um, and then there's a hot vaquero. Oh, that Logan guy who um, is in robot love with Maeve. He's super hot. He's always in black leather. Um, but she's like, I'm like looking for my daughter. I don't have time for love. Love. Um, she's one of those chicks, you know? And so we're just like, yeah, you don't really have a daughter because you're a robot. So, you know, but anyways, that segues into one of, um, my most favorite episodes, a standalone episode. I think a lot of people say it's one of the best Westworld episodes that there is. Um, I can't remember the title of it, but we have this wonderful, um, Indian in the show named, uh, Kichita. And if I fuck that up, I apologize. Um, they kind of call him Ak Aki in the show, too. It's like his like nickname, sort of, that like his love calls him. Um, but anyways, he's really badass because you think he's kind of like this ominous character. And at some point, the, the, the people controlling the robots do try to program him to be like a bad character. But um, he's like, he's just has his love and they're just like just living off the robot land and causing like, you know, no harm, no foul. And, you know, he's just like a lovely little, like just Indian robot, just like doing his fucking deal. And then they fucking change him, his love, like fucking, he takes her back and they have like some time together. He's trying to take her to like heaven, the valley, whatever. And we get this wonderful instrumental, um, instrumental version of heart-shaped box as he's like looking for her after he loses her and he doesn't lose her the fucking you know like humans come and take her they're like oh my god she shouldn't be where she is she's like deprogrammed like they basically give her a robot lobotomy and they stick her down in like the fucking naked robot body storage down with like what's her name Dolores's dad and it's just really sad and he finds her down there and she's just like you know basically robot dead um and you know he's not cool with it so anyways he has this like he tells this lovely story to Maeve's robot daughter who's not really her daughter because the robots um yeah that's that episode so anyways um again it produces so many um fun theories you know there's this whole thing where like the robots kind of want to go to like robot heaven they don't want to be anywhere where humans can touch them anymore and Dolores kind of is more like in revenge mode you know we need to fucking get all the intel 
on these motherfuckers as we can. Screw these humans. We're coming back. We're going to get them. Like, we're going to get what's ours. And most of the robots are just like, we just want to be left alone. We want to go to the peaceful valley. And so, anyways, they, you know, whatever. They go to, like, robot heaven. And I have a feeling they are not in robot heaven. I'm very scared for all of the robot brains brain pods that live up there now if i was a robot i'd want to be one of the pods in fucking dolores slash charlotte slash wyatt's handbag on the boat going back to earth because i want to go to season three and i want to be a fucking in the fight you know you don't want to be like up in the cloud who wants to be in the cloud that's boring freaking time to come to earth time to come to the humans time to fucking find jesse pinkman and get this shit going man okay yeah so season three it just looks like it's gonna be this amazingly sci-fi bonkers with just we've got a couple lonely robots out there in this human world or or are they are they lonely are there more of them that dolores doesn't know about i don't know but i'm gonna do a rewatch i'm gonna check it all out um, thank you for getting through this wonderful, uh, Westworld 3 TED Talk. Um, like I said, I'm going to do a season one, season two rewatch. We'll do another in-depth, uh, spoiler full recap before season three premieres. And then I think, um, like I did with Westworld towards the, or not Westworld, with The Watchmen, another W show, um, towards the end of the season, I'll do another kind of like, whoa what the fuck is going on here you know let's see let's see how it all goes if things start blowing my mind i might do one closer but um until then this is the curious topic of the week and uh moving on to my girl a good 90s movies tries to take you back to the 70s because I think that that decade happened to do the 70s particularly well and one example in particular happens to be My Girl a movie that was uh set in 1972 but it came out in November of 1991 and I may have been four years old at the time but this was the era of blockbuster which means after a few years, once it was on the shelves there, it was a part of my childhood. It was attached to it like a like a parasite. You you couldn't grow up in the 90s, especially being a young girl, without this movie being in your atmosphere. It's literally like an iconic cult movie. Um, ended up making $121 million. And for a movie about... Um, a little girl's journey from being a little girl to an adolescent girl, uh, a tween, if you will, they did a pretty fucking good job. So anyways, I am so sorry. I did not mean that to be so aggressive talking about little girls. And then I'm just like cussing up a storm. But anyways, you know what? That's what life is all about. That's what my girl is all about. It's about being yourself. It's about being, it's just channeling your inner Veda. Okay. And you want to know what? You also should try to channel your inner Thomas J more often because Thomas J, he was a good boy. He was such a good boy. And um, let's get into it. All right. So 
this movie has a soundtrack like no other. It's full of just like all of the jams, a lot of 60s stuff, because again, this was early 70s, so you got some some 60s, uh, 60s classics coming into it. Um, let's see, it was directed by Howard Zeft, and unfortunately, it only has a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is wrong. Um Anyways, yeah, so Veda Sultanfus is our main character here, and she is a spunky little 11-year-old, and by the end of the movie, she gets her Aunt Flo for the first time, and it's fucking hysterical, and the fact that I really went almost my whole life without realizing she tells Thomas J to leave and not come back in seven days, it was great. I That was lost on me for quite some time. So... Anyways, uh, yeah, so Veda, she's our spunky little 11-year-old girl. Her best friend is Thomas J, and he is played by uh, Macaulay Culkin, and Veda is played by Adam Chlumsky. Hope, hopefully I said that right. And we have the wonderful uh, Harry Sultanfuss, who is her dad, a widower, and he's played by Dan Aykroyd, who's a true daddy in this fucking movie. And I'd want to say, I have to say, that this is some of Dan Aykroyd's best acting work he plays a wonderful father a little bit out of touch only because he's just a dad raising a girl and he's trying to figure it the fuck out and he's doing the best he can because on top of being a single widower dad he's taking care of his mother who's clearly in the early stages of dementia his near-do-well fucking great charming brother i think also lives with them or doesn't live with them he's over quite a lot it doesn't matter but what really matters is he's also fucking a businessman. He owns his own business, and by God, it's a mortuary, and that's what makes Veda so weird and funky, man, because she's got dead people literally down in her basement. And so we're just set up with this just wonderful set of circumstances, and so you lay that out into a storyline you got gold. I mean, you can come up with all sorts of shit. And so that's what who, whoever wrote this movie. I'm so sorry I did not get the screenwriter's name. I like to write and I don't even fucking have the screenwriter's name down. But, you know, you could take that and you could really make any story. But what they did was they took that, you know, little girl, teenager being raised by a single dad, dead mom in a mortuary, you know, with no, like, mom figure in her life yet until Jamie Lee Curtis comes, like, strutting through the door as this, like, hot makeup artist named Shelly. And by the way, Shelly is, like, such a fucking hot girl's name. So she comes in, and um, on top of all of this stuff, we've got fucking, she's a hypochondriac. Every time she hears of a disease, she runs to the doctor. She thinks she has it. She doesn't need a doctor. She needs a therapist. And that's okay. She's got a lot going on here, okay? You know, she's in love with the teacher. She thinks she has every disease she hears about. You know, her she's got a lump in her left boob, even though she doesn't even have boobs yet. And, you know, it just, it is what it is, you know? And so, um, yeah, her uncle, do, yeah, her uncle is really cool. Just going, you know, my brain's jumping for a little bit. And, um, what is so funny? Oh, she calls her grandma. They call grandma Grammu, which is cute. I always love when like grandmas have like f funny little names in like movies or or in real life. Um, and 
oh dude what is so great yeah so her teacher though that she does fall in love with is like super duper hot and if you were ever gonna have like a young girl crush like this is the guy his name's bill mr bixler and um yeah he's like fixing his houses he's teaching in summer school he's got like this writer's class like he's got it going on and by the end of the movie like surprise he has a fiance and she's like really cute and cool so anyways um veda uh little miss complicated yo so at one point she is bouncing this basketball around in her house and then it falls down the stairs and she goes down to get the ball but I don't know if I said what's downstairs oh that's where the dead bodies are so she goes to get the ball and then the door shuts and then she's fucking stuck downstairs like the little fucking kid in the sex senses gets stuck in the little closet fucking cabinet countered whatever the hell it was in the sixth sense anyways she gets stuck in there and she starts going do do and she's like crying you know she's like trying not to be hysterical and then shelly comes in and jamie lee curtis is just like she's so sweet and she's trying to be nice and 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 what's her face is just like don't touch me i don't want to blah 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 so anyways she's just like standoffish okay first she thinks shelly's really cool and then once dad like starts getting the fucking hots for shelly she's like no Thank you. And, you know, again, sometimes that happens in life, but she gets over it eventually. Um, oh, what does Shelly do? Oh, Shelly tries the old newspaper trick uh, to set up Harry for a date. She like she's like looking through it. I think she's like looking at the obituaries that he like types, you know, because, of course, that's part of his fucking job description. And uh, she just casually is like, oh, the movie times. Oh, the drive-in. Oh, I just love the drive-in. Isn't it so romantic? And then he's just like, oh, I haven't been in ages since my dead wife died. And, um, you know, so anyways, he ends up asking her out to bingo, which is like, cool. Huh. Here in San Diego, bingos would be kind of okay. Um, You just, it just, no. No, that's not fun date night. And this one is that like this is old people bingo, and so at least they could be the youngest, like hottest people there. Well, just because you're the youngest doesn't mean you're the hottest. Um, but she's definitely fucking working her shit. And so Veda's a total little fucking biatch, and it's like Thomas J, we gotta go to the fucking bingo hall. And he's like, I don't want to do that. And he's like, I don't want to sneak out because Thomas J, like I said, is a good boy. And she's always like trying to get him to do shady things, and he doesn't want to and like usually he'll do it anyways but like I said he's a good boy so Thomas J Macaulay Culkin he's so sweet there's one point there's a point in the movie where they are fishing and it's really sweet and she gets all upset because the fish has a hook in its mouth and they throw it back in the water she's like did it swim away she's all like hysterical because clearly she's about to have her first very very first period of her whole entire life and things are going to change for her in such a monumental way after that happens I can't even explain it to you right now if you understand you understand um and so he's really sweet and he's like he tells her it swam off but it didn't really swim off and then they do this gross thing where they like poke um he picks she picks his scab and they do blood brothers and it's gross don't do that it's not sanitary and it's a great way to get diseases um oh they sing rocky road oh no her poem is rocky road a la mode that was really cute she sings about ice cream you scream something about ice cream and then her teacher like had the balls to be like veda i want you to 
right from the heart. And she's like, I'm 11 and I like ice cream. And so that's where my heart is at right now. So anyways, no wonder why she's got complicated fucking feelings about him. It's just not cool. So yeah, but again, she stole money to go to that class. So maybe that's just karma coming back to get her. I don't know. Could be wrong. Um, Again, Thomas is a good boy. Um, Shelly does come through with uh, this little makeup scene. I think it was like after she figures out she gets her period. Um, And she like tells Thomas J, like, you can never wear enough blue eyeshadow. And you can wear enough of it sometimes most of the time unless you're a drag queen if you're drag as i was saying yes if you're a drag queen wear all of the blue eyeshadow and every shade of it i want to see it i want to see i want to see the the artistry that can be done with all of the blue eyeshadow in all of the world okay enough of blue shadow um yeah so we talked about the bingo date i talked about it i'm gonna say we a lot but then just referring to myself um veda oh man no girl she calls bingo um right when her dad and shelly like kiss or begin to kiss and that's just like you know what you have no business being here go back home like you were fucking told to okay you know and then anyways we're gonna forget about veda for a second because after the bingo date the dad, Harry, and freaking Shelly, they go back to the camper and they like dance and it's really sweet and, you know, I don't know. Again, Dan Aykroyd's just like, he's just, he's got it. He's got a little swag in this one. It takes him a minute to get there. It takes Harry a minute to get there, but he gets there and Shelly is fucking all about it. And then what we're not all about is Shelly's fucking disgusting, gross ex-husband showing up with his curly ass hair and his gross sunglasses. And he's like, I want my camper back. I don't know. If I Maybe that's how he talked. I can't remember. And fucking the brother, like Dan Aykroyd's brother, like Veda's uncle and like Harry, like they stand up and they're like, bro, you need to like get the F out. And then, you know, he just, he's, you know, he just, um, yeah, he really throws down, man. He can get it. He could get it really, really get it. So, um, yeah, don't come ruining a fucking 4th of July barbecue, like asking for like, not like, not asking, like stating that you're going to be taking your camper back okay it's not your camper it's Shelly's camper and just go ahead and try to get through fucking Harry and cool uncle okay it's not going to happen get out of here okay we get some b foreshadowing we lose the mood ring okay don't want to talk about it we're moving forward um let's see oh Shelly gets to oh they go to the carnival boohoo sh- Shelly, Fate is all excited to go to the carnival, but then she finds out Shelly's going to, and then she's like, she just turns into an energy vampire, and she sucks all of it, sucks all of it up. She's like, I'm going to drain every fucking ounce of happiness out of this room, and she does it, man. I'm telling you, that first period, once you get it, your life changes, and she has superpowers now. So, um, yeah, anyways, uh you know, at some point, you know, that eventually ends. Eventually she's nice to Shelly. They get engaged. Yay. And she's like not having it, but whatever. Um, she fucking bumps into Shelly on the bumper car. Not cool. Again, um, just fate is just like putting off the, the, the bad girl vibes. Okay. And so, uh, her and Thomas J, they're off running around again. And she's like, 
tells him she's going to go live with the Brady Bunch in Hollywood. You know, cute, good on you, girl. And, um, you know, he's, what does he say? He wants to live with the Partridge family. No, I'm sorry. That's cute, but it's not going to work out for you, Thomas J. doesn't happen. Um, and, oh, they do kiss. Oh, they have, like, one tiny little kiss. And, um... Oh my God, the period scene. That one's so funny because she comes running out of the bathroom and she's like, I'm hemorrhaging. And it's like, oh my God, it's like her first period and nobody's ever told her because her mom is dead. She's a dead, dead mom. And, you know, Shelly's there for her. Shelly's like, girl, let me just tell you, this is going to be happening for the rest of your life until you're really, really old. And it's just something you're going to have to deal with. And now the movie um, comes to the conclusion. Nothing else happens. Nothing sad or devastating. Thomas J is a good boy. And they grow up, they get married, and everybody's ha- just everybody lives happily ever after. You're welcome. No, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry um, to inform you if you have never seen this film. Um, Thomas J, our good boy is such a good boy he goes back to get the ring that is at the beehive and he's allergic to so many goddamn things and of course bees fall into that um that category in his life of of allergic of things he's allergic to and we fucking lose him dan Aykroyd comes through um in this scene where he has to tell veda and it's and I don't like it, and she's really upset, and at the funeral, she's still lying in bed, and she doesn't want to go, and she finally goes down there, and she's, like, not even dressed for it, and she goes straight to the fucking casket and she starts freaking out because they didn't put his glasses on him. Thomas J is a good boy and he wears his glasses and they didn't put his glasses on and she kept saying he can't see without his glasses. He can't see without his glasses. And if you don't cry or feel just hollow and just like a big pile of just baby mush in that scene, you can get out of town. You can get out of here. You can just stop listening. Thank you very much. It is honestly awful to watch as a child. And again, it's like tough love. It's going to let you know. It's just going to let you know that sometimes life isn't fucking fair. And it's not for Thomas J. So anyways, a few weeks later, Veda is um, just do-a-diddy-ing down the street, walking down the street with dad and runs into Thomas J's mom, who's just a sweet lady, and um, she just wants to say hi to Veda, and she's just so nice, and Veda tells her the sweetest thing in the whole world. She tells her that um, that Thomas J is going to be okay because his her because her mom will take care of him. Her dead mom that's up in heaven is going to help take care of Thomas J now that he's up there too. And fucking punch me in the gut just 50 times because that'll feel better than that right there. 
Um, and then anyways, uh, we get a setup for my girl too. She, there's like these bitchy girls at the beginning, but one of them's kind of nice. Her name's Judy. And so Judy's really nice. After Thomas J dies, she comes by the house just to check on Veda to see if she's okay. And Shelly's like, oh, I don't think she's doing okay right now. But, um, you know, that's pretty much it. Harry gets a new look and, um, yeah, we get my girl too, which is pretty good. We get this like sandy haired blonde boy who has like shaggy seventies hair and they're more like teenagers. And she meets, I think Veda meets some like guy that her mom used to date or some shit like that. I don't know, whatever. It's interesting. It's great. And, um, that is one of the best fucking early nineties, like, adolescent you know young adults girl movies that has ever been written or made and it's a masterpiece it deserves way more than 53% on Rotten Tomatoes I give it a 97% it is timeless they the script was very well written and you can ask for a better cast you can add it just has a magic sprinkle everybody did their job everybody did great Grandmu, she fucking brought it, man. She was like singing those standards. And you know, we got fucking Dan Aykroyd playing the goddamn tuba. And I will take that any day of the week, all of the days of the week. Thank you for making it through the My Girl TED Talk. We are done here, and it's time to get into that pussycat, Jamie Lee Curtis. As a 32-year-old woman who is close to being 33, Jamie Lee Curtis has been a fixture in uh, my life since the beginning. She is a an American actress who is Hollywood royalty. Um, she doesn't really have that air about her. She doesn't have this like... Ooh, I, I don't know. She doesn't have that vibe, man. You would think that she just was like, had this like this typical normal childhood. And, you know, she just fucking became an actress and became famous. And that was her deal. But no, Miss Jamie Lee Curtis, the pussycat of the week here. Well, now that's like the pussycat of the month because I've been following her now for like over a month on Instagram, like two months now. And um, this has been a long segment coming, let me tell you. But I am so glad that I've gotten to um, kind of step back and really kind of um, sort of get to know her um, in a more in-depth sense than just like, oh yeah, I read a couple like articles about her, whatever. Um, I've listened to some, I listened to a podcast, um, as Sinead, um, there's this wonderful Irish freaking, um, woman who is this advocate in fashion and she is a little person. So she's all about making fashion accessible for everyone for everybody all shapes sizes abilities and um I just really dig her a lot and come to find out her and Jamie Lee Curtis are super duper close and um I yeah I listened to Jamie on her podcast and she is just wonderful and one of the reasons why I picked picked her besides being just like a total fox is that she just is a freaking she just seems like um a really good friend, a champion for just like, not just the underdog, just for like people that she, you know, I think, I think she's a person that 
that has a, a great mixture of like tough love and just like unconditional like understanding and forgiveness and um I you know I don't know I pick up those vibes from her and you know that's what makes her so I think kind of like unique she's got a toughness but a vulnerability to her and um from like I've and I've also like tried to talk about her like to people around me and men fucking dig the shit out of her okay she's got like a pheromone to her that like dudes can smell through the fucking screen okay there's something about her I think I almost got goosebumpy when I just said that um and you know like women just you know she just seems like she'd be a good fucking friend, you know, not just like, oh, I want to be her girlfriend. But like, she just seems like somebody that's like clearly there for the people around her. Um, she is married to Christopher Guest, who um, has made Best in Show, among a thousand other amazing, fucking funny, really clever mockumentary movies. Like one of the first guys to do it. Spinal Tap, all the stuff. He's amazing and quite a fucking catch. So Jamie Lee Curtis, you should win an Oscar for that fucking, for that one, okay? Um, also, she has two kids, and again, like I said, she is Hollywood royalty. She was born to actor uh, Tony Curtis and actress Janet Lee, and they are both icons in their own right, Hollywood pillars, okay? And um, what's also super cool about Jamie and her mother is that... Janet is an iconic horror, uh, iconic horror screen queen, and Jamie became, uh, went on to become quite a screen queen in her own right, starring in Halloween, her debut film as Laurie Strode, freaking Michael Myers' little baby sister, just fucking trying to figure out why this big ass guy wants to fucking stalk her and try to kill her all the time. You know, it's just, it's kind of baffling. Um. I'd be confused too. So anyway, she went on to be in Prom Queen, The Fog, Terror Train, Halloween 2, and most recently, um, she was in the newest uh, Halloween deal that they did where they kind of just like erased some of like, like I don't know, the, like Halloween 5, Halloween 6, not knocking on my Rob Zombie Halloweens. I fucking love those. Um, but anyways, she got to come back in all her glory and I watched it and I just thought she was just... I don't know, she kicked ass and her character was like, again, a great um, mixture of tough badass and being vulnerable because clearly she's been traumatized and has like lots of P PTSD and, you know, needs a hug, some somebody to talk to, all of the things. Um, but anyway, she was great in that and uh, the uh, her latest big fucking blockbuster was Knives Out and that was clever, smart, fun. Um, she played the daughter of this uh, rich mogul. I can't remember what he was. He a writer, anyways. But she played this like quirky character, and it was like this whodunit movie. And um, another thing that's cool about her is that I picked up on her Instagram is that she promotes her movies in a way. Um, that doesn't seem like inauthentic. Like she's really like 
oh my God, like this screen place like still has some juice to it. Like go out and see it. Like, I don't know the way she words it and the way she says it. It just doesn't seem like some like roboed, you know, oh, my assistant like threw this together for me. Like I, I just, <sighs> anyways, this is a, this is where we rave about somebody for a few, quite, quite a few minutes. And this is what I'm doing here. So, um, She's got f lots of interesting photos, lots of great stuff that she posts about that just doesn't, you know, things outside of just herself. And, um, yeah, it just, she really believes in her work and her stories and really believes in the people around her. Um, she talks about her husband really lovingly in different interviews. Um, like I said, he's super funny, quite a catch, good job. Um, and yeah, she's a children's book author. She's wrote, written many books since I think uh, the late 90s, 1998 might have been her first one. Um, she's a philanthropist and she's classic Hollywood royalty. And you wouldn't even know it because she doesn't walk around with this like fucking tiara on her head. She's just a fucking badass woman and she's been in films like Trading Places where she won a BAFTA award, which is the... British Academy Awards. Thank you very much. A Fish Called Wanda. True Lies. She won a Golden Globe for it. My Girl. Again, we just went through that one. Good on you, Shelley. Uh, you Again. Freaky Friday. House Arrest. Another classic 90s fucking film. If you were a kid in the 90s, you knew House Arrest and House Arrest knew you and you wanted to be in it and you wanted to try it out and not a good idea. Um, and Forever Young with Mel Gibson, probably the hottest he ever was. And baby Elijah Wood is in it. Um, she was also in an ABC sitcom called Anything But Love. And she got an Emmy nomination and won a Golden Globe for that too. So two of those. Um, she was also in Scream Queens. Fucking fantastic. She was delicious in that. And so, you know... I could just keep going and going and going. She has served so many good looks. You know, if we want to go into like, ooh, you know, like looks, um, look up her Golden Globe look, the one where she won for True Lies. It's this white dress. It's like strappy. It's everything. Um, you know, she's had some ups and downs like everybody else. She's um, gone into detail about um, being addicted to Vicodin, I think in the late 90s before it that like people were even realizing what was going on with all of that, like over prescribing stuff. And, um, she said like the worst, like rock bottom part for her was like, she started taking it from like her sister when her sister was staying from her until the bottle was like empty. And then she had to like, you know, come clean about this like empty bottle of like medication her sister had never taken. And why is it empty? And, um, God damn it. She's just, you know, she's somebody that seems like if she makes a mistake, she's going to fucking learn from it. And, um, you know, she seems like if you're going through some mistakes, she'll, she'll try to help you get through them. And I appreciate that. And I like that. And, uh, we get good pussycat vibes from Jamie Lee Curtis. And, um, I hope I'm really excited to see what else we have from Jamie Lee Curtis where there's so much more to come. Um, she has given us so many wonderfully iconic characters. Um, 
And I think she's going to serve us many, many more. It looks like she's going to be in uh, her newest movie that she seems to kind of like be promoting, but it's like kind of quiet about it at the same time. Um, it looks like there might be like some fucking fighting training shit that she's doing in it. So we're here for it, Jamie. We are here for it. Bow down to you. Can't wait to see what else is in the future. And this wraps up this week's episode of Curiosity Killed the Cat. Thank you for staying with us. Thank you for getting through Westworld. Thank you for getting through My Girl. And I thank you for enjoy. I really hope you enjoy Jamie Lee Curtis. For that one, I'm not going to say thank you. I'm going to say you're welcome. Okay. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in. Mm-hmm.